Wake Up World. You are now tuned in to the Wake Up and Win podcast, and I'm your host, Devon Pouncey. We're here at the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, which is also the home of 1029 and 750, the game sports radio station. I thank you all for the support that we've gotten here in these first few episodes. Well, more than a few now. We we getting the ball rolling over here. Um, as a reminder, we are officially on iTunes, and you can always go there and subscribe. Just search Wake Up and Win with Devon Pouncey, and we will be there, whether it be in your iTunes store or your podcast app on your home screen. Uh, we're still obviously available on SoundCloud as well. Just subscribe to the Wake Up and Win channel. So today I got my boy Rodney Fisher. He's back with me. What's going on, world? Yeah, he's back. He's back. Had to get Rod in here today to get these things going and talk about a few of the trending things going on in the world of sports. And uh, the first thing that I want to talk about is the message that I received this morning from my guy, Big Sean. And many of you that heard last week's episode, you know that I'm a Big Sean fan. And uh, he left a message for us today, and it goes a little bit something like this. I woke up in beast mode. Yes, sir. Raider Nation. We got Marshawn back in the building. He's back in Oakland. For those of y'all that don't know, I'm a diehard Raider fan. It goes for me, too. So, yeah, I'm definitely a diehard Raider fan. We deserve this. We deserve it. You know, after after everything going on with the Raiders going to Las Vegas, we've kind of been down, especially coming off a phenomenal season like we had last season, which I feel like got even cut short as well due to the injury of our quarterback, Derek Carr. But this is definitely good news for the city of Oakland. It's good news for myself. It's good news for the whole world of football. Definitely. We need Beast Mode back. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Beast Mode, he, he did it for the culture. When he was playing football, he did it for the culture. Obviously, he's a beast on that field, which is why he got the name Beast Mode. But to me, he's probably the realest athlete to ever do it. He keeps it real. He keeps it real. So, And, you know, I actually did a research project back in, back in college on Beast Mode, and it was about the framing. During his time period of playing with the Seattle Seahawks when they made their Super Bowl run, and during those, I want to say it was four or five years or so that they went to the playoffs. Right. I did an analysis, and I looked up different articles from mainstream media sources. I searched what he did for the community, and I searched, obviously, his background and where he came from and how much that got mentioned in right. comparison to what the media kind of portrayed him as. Obviously, the guy that's not spoken the guy who's against the media. Uh They kind of gave him that thug portrayal and all those kind of things. And I think it's good for the city of Oakland because a lot of people don't know that he gives back so much to that city. Right, he does. It's a tough city, and he gives back so much to that city. And to see him, obviously he's been able to give back with youth football camps and things of that sort. Uh, I think he's he's done different holiday feeds and all kind of stuff. But to now see him be able to come back home and play and bring his talents back home, I, I just can't see a better story. I know some of these Northwesterners are a little bit sad. To yeah, hear. Oh, they got to be sad. Yeah, that he's not coming back here to the Seahawks. But I'm not a Seahawks fan anyway, so I don't care. I think it's great because it's like a farewell gift to Oakland, the city of Oakland, because, you know, they're leaving in a couple of years. Right. And so to get to see a hometown hero, play and he represent he really reps for Oakland. Yeah, for I sure. I mean in his um his his farewell to Seattle, he tweeted. Right. You right. see, you see, it's town business. Yeah, he definitely 
he definitely tweeted a farewell to Seattle. And I'm actually, you know what? I'm actually going to read that farewell. Yeah, yeah read that. Read that Because for I think it was a little bit funny, first and foremost. And we kind of need to break down what he's saying because I feel like a lot of people were kind of confused of what he said there. Oh, yeah. We about to give it to him, man. So this is what Marshawn Lynch said in his tweet. Marshawn said just like this. Yes, Lord, 12th man, I'm thankful, but just got real. I could say it today. It's a podcast. Shit just got real. I had hella fun in Seattle, but I'm really from Oakland, though. Like, I'm really, really, really from Oakland, though. Town business. Breathe on me. So, for those of y'all that don't know what the... I actually was with my boy Casey today. Casey been on the show before, uh-huh. and I was with him earlier today, and he was cracking up because he knows I'm a diehard Raider fan. So he's like, Pounce, man, how you feel about Marshawn coming back? And I'm like, I feel good. He was like, man, I cracked up at that tweet because he sounded like one of them Oakland cats when he said that I'm really uh. from Oakland. <laughs> <laughs> so he definitely got a kick out of that. And so when he did get that kick out of that, I had to kind of go – to ask him, like, do you know where that even comes from? And he like, nah, man, I don't know where it really comes from. Right. So I told, I sent him the song that that song comes from, where my shine said that at. And I'm getting ready to play that song right here for y'all. Y'all listen at this. Cause I'm really from Oakland now. Cause I'm really, cause I'm really from Oakland now. Cause I'm really from Oakland now. Cause I'm really, cause I'm really from Oakland now. So for anybody out there that's confused as to why Marshawn said he's really from Oakland, though, like really, really, really <laughs> from Oakland, though, that's the song, baby. That's the song right there. And that's also, song. town business, people don't know that Oakland is also referred to as the town. Absolutely. You know they refer to Portland as the town, too, though. I, I didn't know that. Yeah, well, I guess. I thought it was P-Town. I, t- <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but that's what they call themselves. But, yeah, no, nah, so that song was called Oakland by Vale. Um, for those of y'all that know hip-hop, y'all might be able to kind of tell from listening to the little clip that I played that that was a mustard on the beat. So, uh, yeah, that was definitely a DJ mustard-produced song, but that's why Marshawn did that. But like I said, I'm really happy for the city of Oakland. I'm happy for myself as an Oakland Raider fan. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, we going to the Super so, Bowl. So let me ask shit. you, how does he fit with Oakland? You know, a lot of people are talking about his age, talking about him sitting out for a year and a half. Oh, he feels good. I think that he retired before he needed to anyway. I think the retirement might have been good for him. He's a running back. He's a running back. Exactly. He got some rest. I think his body is back healed. I think he's refreshed. Here's the thing. A lot of people fail to realize that Marshawn is actually a smart dude. Right. Like, Marshawn's been smart. He's been smart financially. He's been smart branding-wise, obviously, with – his whole media deal that he's had, and now the uh, the, the Skittles deal Skittles. he's got. Um, he's got his clothing line, the B-Smoke clothing line. Like, Marshawn is a really smart dude. Matter of fact, I don't even think he spent any of the money that he's earned Through the from NFL. the NFL yet. I've heard that. So that right there lets you know that Mar- Marshawn's a smart guy. With that being said, now let's take it on to the football field. Marshawn knows the level that he needs to be at to be an efficient running back in this league. He's been that for years. Right. I don't think he would come back and put himself or the Oakland Raiders or even the city of Oakland, who he cares much about, to a disadvantage knowing that he's not ready to play at the level or the caliber that he needs to play at to help this team win. And I also think that the Raiders wouldn't have gave him a shot or even tried to get him this bad if he wasn't in that shape. 
Right. If they must have seen what they needed to see, and they wanted him. Because we passed up Adrian Peterson. We wanted Marshawn Lynch. That's a- who we wanted. Absolutely. Uh, Raiders, I should say, is we. I'm right. a fan. I have to uh, say yeah, that. Yeah, we, we Raider fans on here. And Sorry, also, Seahawks fans, but that's what yeah. it is. I'm going to be honest with you. He's a perfect fit. We have two great backup running backs. Right. A great quarterback. Right. A great receiving core. A great O-line. Even though we lost two O-line, we have a great O-line. Right. So it's not like a he-, he has a heavy load. No, nah, he- he's going to come in and do what he needs to do. Exactly. To give us that Super Bowl ring this year. Hello. But anywho, in other news, many of you may have heard today that there were 100, at least 100, layoffs Sheesh. at ESPN. Um, that's pretty rough to hear. I definitely want to send my well wishes and my best gratitude to those who were laid off. Um, many of those people were veterans within the station. Many of those people have families. Many of those people have made a livelihood off working for ESPN. So, you know, I want to wish those who were laid off the best in their future endeavors. Um, people seem very professional from what I've gotten to see through tweets and responses of some of the personalities that yeah, were definitely. fired from ES- ESPN. They're be- very optimistic about going forward. They're very thankful and gracious for the opportunity that they had. And I think a lot of them just were able to come to, re- to the realization that that comes in this industry. You know what I mean? With with media, ratings are such a big deal. Things go up and down. And this is kind of a fast-moving and ever-flowing industry. So, like I said, I, I think it's tough. I'm definitely uh, somebody who watches ESPN. But I first off want to send my best wishes to those people who definitely, are laid off. Definitely. Now, the problem that I've been having is the people that are saying that this – I guess, quote unquote, left wing content that is now on ESPN and on SportsCenter is either a reason or a symptom of why the business is failing, why ESPN is failing. I have a really big problem with that because I feel that, first of all, social equality, um, politics, many of those things, they intersect with sports greatly. That's one of the missions of this podcast alone is to focus on the intersectionality of sports and politics. So I think those definitely intersect greatly. Um, So I think that this was also an issue that came before content kind of got changed around within ESPN. I think this is not just a content issue. I feel like one major issue is the failing of cable television as a whole, as news is on demand. We can get anything that we want to on our phones. We can get, yeah, like I said, it's pretty. You got Fire Stick and all these different ways of watching television. You got Netflix. You got this. You got that. Yeah, you got a lot of outlets. So I'm definitely not a fan of those that are trying to kind of make this thing political and say that left-wing party members or people who are on the left side of the political spectrum are the reason, are a symptom as to why ESPN is failing. What's your thoughts on that, Rob? I I would have to disagree. Not completely. You definitely have some good points, but as far as sports, you know, I don't go to ESPN to to hear about politics. You know, if I wanted to do that, I'd go to CNN, I'd go to the news channels. Also, you know, um, I feel like they're doing that because they feel like they're failing, and they're trying to find a way to get back in the hearts of everybody. But... I just definitely don't feel like politics is is the way to go because 
everybody is different. There's people that you have nothing similar as far as personality. But let's say you bring up a sport. Everybody can relate to sports. And I feel like sports connect people. But when you get to talking about politics and bringing that into the aspect, you know, then that's where people get differences and, and it gets to heated conversations, which you can't have with sports. But politics is always a more serious matter. Well, here's the thing. First off, I feel that you disagreeing with me probably isn't the right thing on your end, especially when it comes to intersecting sports and politics, because I'm pretty sure that if we got to talking about what Colin Kaepernick did, for example, would you say that? Colin Kaepernick being spoken about on ESPN was wrong or did not help an issue, at least help bring awareness to an issue, a systemic issue that has been going on in this country. So me personally, I definitely thought that should have been showed because of sports, but not everybody felt that way. You know, I I just disagreed on the point of left wing was the reason why they're spiraling down. I just, that's what I do feel. I feel that other people do not want to see politics. Now, as far as Colin Kaepernick, definitely, yeah, I, I feel but, like that should be shown. But I feel like Colin Kaepernick would be somebody who's on the left wing of the spectrum. Definitely, most definitely, which I'm kind of contradicting myself right now. <laughs> that's, but that's, I'm, <laughs> I'm speaking for the people that I feel like stop watching ESPN for this matter. But my thing is this. I feel like there's not that many people that stopped watching ESPN for this matter. I think people actually watch ESPN for that. I just think it's an excuse for others to be able to attack the rise in the movement of maybe the left wing. And I mean, and even though, I mean, the left side of politics is obviously still pretty far behind due to the fact of who we have in office alone. But if you talk about the left wing and social people who, who, want to see social equality and things right. like that. I feel like sports has been driven. I think that sports is so much bigger than just sports in itself. Like you said, it's a place that people can come together and push movements. It's a place where people like uh, John Carlos have been able to go and, and win in the Olympics and put up his fist for the black power. It's a Definitely. place where somebody like Muhammad Ali, who is considered the greatest boxer of all time, was able to deny going to war for the country so and then obviously like i said in this case of colin kaepernick through sports he's been able to push a bigger message and a bigger agenda which i think people whether people like that message or agenda or don't like that message or agenda they want to hear about it they want to know about it and it needs to be talked about whether they do or don't want to know about it because things are unfair so i feel like sports is definitely a platform for politics to kind of be shown off on because if we don't then that's just one less outlet that maybe people on the left wing or even people on the right wing that may kind of want to convert to the left wing and i don't even really like the left right right concept of it but right that's what it's, that's being what it's called. called yeah but like i said i think that politics definitely has a place in sports i even think the culture has a place in sports um i, I think they feel like the content with that as well is kind of taking away the draw of sports, but obviously sports and culture intersect heavily. That's why we have halftime performances in the Super Bowl. That's why we right. have, in the case of the Warriors, rappers like E-40 coming on to many different sports shows because he's front and center at every game right. and supporting the Warriors. And even at one point in time, I believe that he was going to uh, sponsor the Warriors 
the entire summer with some of his wine or, or his liquor somewhere along the lines of that had they won the championship that season. So I feel like it's wrong for people to say that. I feel like people do come to these sports stations to hear about politics from the aspects of athletes. I do agree with you. You know, you definitely made me look at the the situation at a different side, but I do still believe that people are sensitive when it comes to politics. They're so sensitive, especially when we go to the to the facts of like at the ESPYs, Caitlyn Jenner gets an award for courage. Now, let me point this out. I'm not transphobic. I have nothing wrong with transgenders at all. But there are parents who are so sensitive to this fact to see their kids be exposed to this, which they're going to be exposed to the real world eventually. But there's parents out there that really feel that way and will stop watching that TV channel, Sports Center, ESPN, right. for that matter. Right. Well, I definitely think that's even a whole nother topic that we can go into with the uh, you know, with the lesbian gay community and whatnot. And that's obviously been a major issue with the intersection with the intersectionality of politics and sports as well. But in the end, I feel like these kids, I feel like athletes and sports has been such a major part in this country pro- progressing forward as a whole, that that's just not the particular blame for why ESPN is failing. Like I said, right. my reasons for thinking that ESPN is failing is because of YouTube, Netflix, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, and, all of that. And some content that people may not have wanted to hear, but this is not something that's just happened recently. The reason why ESPN even decided to go get this kind of content is because they were already failing. Yeah, they so were. So I feel like this is a mask for an already failing station for people to kind of say, ah, oh, they're just too political or they're too this or they're too that. I feel like people are trying to figure out a way to throw a shot at something that doesn't really matter when it comes to the particular reason as to why this station is failing as a whole. So that's just my take on that. But I we get ready it. to go into a quick break. We got a couple segments coming up. We are getting ready to introduce two benchmark segments for you guys. We got the Talk Too Much segment, segment with myself. And then we also got the Portland girl turned L.A. who's got a segment on today's episode. And she's doing it for the culture. And so stay tuned for that. And we'll be right back. So you know what I'll say every time I take a leave is stay woke and go in. Shut Did they say just enough or too much? People are always talking. Pouncation is here to set things straight. So this is the Talk Too Much segment, and obviously... I'm here, Devon Pouncey. For those of you who may have been confused with why they call me Pouncation, that's just a nickname of mine. And uh, that's also my Instagram and my Twitter tag. So for those that sh- that want to go follow me on Instagram and on Twitter, it's Pounce underscore Sation. And that's how you can follow me to get my takes on everything and obviously see what's going on with the podcast. We always are pushing and promoting this podcast on those social media outlets. So this segment... We will be playing different sound clips of different athletes or whatever the case may be, uh, different coaches, general managers, doesn't matter, anything that's going on in the sports world. We play different sound clips, 
And I pretty much tell you whether I think that a person is talking too much, whether a person didn't say enough, or whether the person said exactly what they needed to say. So today on the talk on the talk too much segment, we got a couple of people we're gonna cover. And the first thing I want to cover is a little bit of NBA playoffs. Um, we had the battle of, to me, the top two MVP candidates that played this season in Russell Westbrook and James Harden. Many of you may know that that series ended real fast for the Oklahoma City Thunder, although Russell Westbrook statistically continued to be amazing. I am sad to see the spectacular season he has had come to an end, but he had a little bit going on out there. He had some he had some battles going on and he he was in a little bit of on-court beef that ended up turning into off-court beef with a guy by the name of Patrick Beverly. So, let's hear what Russell Westbrook had to say about that. Uh, Russell, things got a little contentious between you and, and uh, Patrick Beverly. Can you talk about, you know, kind of what happened there? Oh, yeah, he was talking about he was first team all defense, but I I I didn't know what the hell he was talking about cuz I had 42 at the time. Um the series you know, I don't know what he talking about. Maybe he was dreaming of some shit. I don't know. Sorry, excuse my cuss word, but I don't know what he was talking about. But I guess he, he wanted to be first team all defense or something. Maybe he was dreaming about it. I don't know. Now, in response to Russell Westbrook, I want to let y'all hear what Patrick Beverly had to say. And when I let you hear what Beverly had to say, I'll let you know if he talked too much, if he said just enough, or if he didn't say enough. Check it out. Because he said he looked up and said, "No, can guard me." I got forty points. I'm like, "That's nice." He took thirty-four shots to get it. <laughs> I mean, no, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to bash anybody, but I mean, you know, men lie, women lie, but the numbers don't. Enough said. I think that was enough said. I think Patrick Beverly was very on point. I think Russell Westbrook did what he has been doing all season. And to Russell Westbrook's credit, he was playing with guys out there like Andre Roberson, who only averaged, what, 12%, I think, from the free throw line. So, yeah, Russell Westbrook had to do a little bit of everything. But that's been the story of him this entire season with the Oklahoma City Thunder. The reason why I think Patrick Beverly said just enough is because, first off, Patrick Beverly is moving on to the next round while while Russell Westbrook is going back home. And any guy that scores 40 points off of 34 shots – that's probably a symptom of a losing game and that he had to do too much. And I also said before, for many of you that listened to my NBA playoff uh, episode that I did at the start of these playoffs, I made sure to say that the winner of this series between James Harden and Russell Westbrook should be the MVP of the season. And obviously James Harden pretty much – by far got the best of Russell Westbrook this series. It was a 4-1 game. Now the Rockets get to go home and get some rest. And like I said, I just think that James Harden is just a better player. I think he's better than Russell Westbrook is. Um, I understand why Russell Westbrook went at Patrick Beverly, being that he is probably one of the most irritable players on the court. And I know they've been going at it all along, but I think Beverly did a good job in defending him this series. You can't stop Russell Westbrook. That's been proven in the historic season he's had. But – I do think that James Harden should be the MVP. I think the better team won. I think the better player won. And that's just kind of my take on that. But I do respect the intensity and kind of the mess talking that Russell Westbrook and Patrick Beverly did out there. I just think that 
is signed of guys being good competitors out there. So next up, we got the debate between two of your favorite TV slash radio personalities. We got Charlemagne the God, a radio host of The Breakfast Club, which is the very well-known nationally syndicated hip-hop radio show based out of New York with him, DJ Envy, and Angela Gee. Charlemagne the God has recently launched a new book called Black Privilege, Opportunities Come to Those Who Create It. And he's pretty much been on a promo tour. He's been on all type of shows, all type of ESPN shows, different talk shows, daily shows, this, that, and the third. Charlemagne is moving right now. His book was also just announced today as a New York Times bestseller. But he did come on first take, and he and Stephen A. Smith were able to hash some things out. They had some disagreements on the Colin Kaepernick situation that has been ongoing since the beginning of last football season. And Charlemagne the God had to break down to Stephen A. Smith why he gave him donkey of the day. And Stephen A. Smith kind of had to rebuttal. But I want I want y'all to hear from Charlemagne the God's perspective why he thought that Stephen A. Smith was wrong for saying that Colin Kaepernick didn't do well in – pretty much protesting and not going to vote, publicly announcing that he did not want to vote. Y'all check it out. You know, there's other ways to make change. And I, I agree mean, with that. You know, uh, Malcolm X was one of our greatest civil rights right. leaders ever. I don't know if you ever heard the ballad of the bullet. Yes. He said to sit on your, your vote, too, if what, you, if what you want is not actually on that ballot. So, I mean, you... Times were different then, too. Yeah, but you wouldn't discredit Malcolm X as, as a leader. So I, I'm not going to discredit Colin Kaepernick just because he decided to not vote. Now, if one of the presidents were running on a campaign where a, a police reform and, like, really, that was one of their pressing issues, and he decided to sit that one out, yeah. I, I no, would have a problem. Enough said. Once again, I think Charlemagne the God was on point. He said just enough. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm somebody who did vote, so I don't want y'all going out there saying, oh, Pounce agreed with Charlemagne, so Pounce must not have voted. He must have, any vote for that wasn't for Hillary must have been for Trump, whatever, whatever. I voted. I exercised my right to vote. Colin Kaepernick decided not to exercise his right to vote. The reason why I don't have a problem with that is because there's another guy that I looked up, look up to tremendously as far as his work in inner city communities. And that is a somebody by the name of Nick Cannon. Now, Nick Cannon also had an issue where he publicly expressed on the big boy radio show why he didn't want to vote. And my thing is this, if you're helping hands on with inner city communities, then I don't have, or, or whatever, not just inner city communities, it could be kids. It could be whatever it is that you believe should be helped wherever your heart feels that place or that thing needs to be helped out at, I don't have a problem with it. In the case of Colin Kaepernick, he has proven time and time again by action that he stands for what he believes in. And the fact that he didn't want to take the system's route to make a difference, I don't have a problem with that because I feel like hands-on, he's making a difference in other social justice ways. He's donated money to many different places. He's obviously spoken out. He's, he's, he's created different movements for people to stand up and feel like they had a voice. And so I don't have a problem with Colin Kaepernick not wanting to go out and say that he needed to vote and for publicly saying that he didn't want to or wasn't going to vote for either one of the presidential candidates. So Colin Kaepernick, 
kudos to you. I have not lost any more respect than I initially had for you because you didn't vote. And I think Charlemagne the God gave Stephen A. Smith donkey of the day for all the right reasons. Now, lastly, we got the beef between our own 102-9750 the game, John Canzano, and general manager Neil O'Shea of the Portland Trailblazers. This is just something that I felt like I had to cover, so I went on and did it. And I want you guys to hear how Neil O'Shea felt about John Canzano and his exit interview, and then I'll let you know how I feel once you hear what the man had to say. Here we go. <laughs> I, I want to let you know I was completely oblivious to that until someone showed me your tweet, which I said, "What? I don't understand what this means. And then I had to go back and um, read that. I was... I was glad that it was written by someone who came to two games all year, and clearly the motivation was to abuse his privileges as a media person with his past so that he could get tickets for his relatives and pictures taken with the opposing point guard in the opposing point guard's jersey. Because clearly that's an unbiased opinion, right? That's an impartial observer talking about our roster when he has his nephew in a Steph Curry jersey taking pictures with Steph Curry. Too much talk. Mr. O'Shea, my name is Devon Pouncey, and I have a bone to pick with you for what it is that you just did and what you just said. I feel like what you did and what you said was an absolute disgrace. I feel like it was very unprofessional. I'm not here to defend John Canzano. I feel like that he's accomplished enough in this industry to be able to stand on his own two feet when it comes to the issues that you and Canzano have based on whatever history you may have. That's not my problem. That's not my issue. That's not the point that I'm coming from. Where I'm coming from right now on this issue is the fact that you had to bring a kid inside of a situation that you had with the, with the member in the media. And I, it's a fine line when kids become involved. That kid came and he, I guess he took a picture with Steph Curry, who was in the background, and he also had a Steph Curry jersey on. The kid is 10 or 11 years old. He's young. I actually got to coach that kid in basketball. So I know that he's a very good kid and he meant absolutely no harm. And for you to try to shut that kid's dreams down of meeting somebody like a Steph Curry, who may may be his idol, may be the reason he wants to press forward and pursue whatever dream it is that he may have in life. I feel like that was very foul of you for you to do that. Also, as a father myself, I feel like kids are just totally off limits. I feel like that is also where I had a problem with LeVar Ball when he came on the scene and had something to say about LeBron James' kids. Initially, I was kind of halfway a fan of LeVar Ball. But when he said something about LeBron James' kids and LeBron James had to respond back, I felt like LeBron had all rights to do that because kids should not be involved in this situation, especially in the case when that kid is not yours. So, Mr. Neil O'Shea, I think you said entirely too much bringing him in. You could have kept whatever you had to say about Canzano, and y'all could have dealt with that how y'all dealt with it. But bringing kids into the situation is just totally off limits to me. So next up, we got the L.A. girl, or I should say the Portland girl turned L.A., and she's going to give us the culture. Y'all be ready for this. This will be our new news segment, and you will now be able to hear what's going on in the culture and why we are doing it for the culture. So stay woke and go in.
Welcome back. Wake up and win with Devon Pouncey. So we're back, and uh, we got us another benchmark segment here. Uh, it was a young lady that I was all telling you about. That was the Portland girl turned L.A. now. Uh, she's moved out here to Los Angeles, but she is a Portland native. And this segment will now be on every podcast episode that we do, at least the majority. So get used to hearing this young lady, and her name is Akiva Hillman. And this segment is called The World According to Key. What up, Key? <laughs> What's up, Bouncy? How you doing? Oh, I'm good. How you doing? What's going on in your world out there in the La La Land? Oh, God. It's crazy out here. We've had some pretty, uh, we've had some sunny days lately, and not even just normal sunny days. I mean, it's always sunny here, you know? But, I mean, we've had, like, 90-degree weather, and I'm like, look, it's a little too hot for me for it all to be April. I don't know how much I love that. Um, but things have been good. It's award season and wedding season. So there's a ton of stuff to go to all the time. And, um, I just worked an event last night. We had Biz Marquis come out and do, um, we run a social club. And so he came out here and performed for us and that was super fun. And, um, yeah, it's just been, it's been a good time out here. I'm not really, uh, I'm not missing home yet. Oh uh, yeah. That's what's up. I could believe it. The only difference is, is I wish I would be dying to be out there in that sunshine being that I'm the Cali boy. But that's yeah, where that's where your true roots come in, showing that you're the Portland girl, that it's already too hot for you out there. But oh, no, yeah. I don't know what I'm going to do when it's summertime and it's like 110 degrees here. I'm going to be miserable. Thank uh, God my apartment has AC. Let's just switch places. <laughs> I don't know about that, you guys have 70 degree weather and it was the hottest day you've had since October. Yeah, well, we yeah, we're cold. It's still cold. It's raining out here right now. So but seventy yeah. degrees since October and that's the highest. I mean, that's global warming for you right there. Yeah, that's terrible. That's terrible. <laughs> so yeah, so what news you got for us, Keith? Tell us what's going on in your world. All right, guys. So I need to talk about the so ever famous Assad Khaled. Oh yeah. If anyone follows him, if anyone follows DJ Khaled on Instagram or any type of social media, you'll know that this little baby is probably worth more money than I am. And I'm, I'm 23 yeah. and he's <laughs> not even a year old yet. I mean, this kid has, he's, he's officially international. He's got a passport. Um, Let's see. He has 560,000 followers Sheesh. on Instagram. <laughs> Can we buy those? <laughs> According to DJ Khaled, he is the producer and um, executive for the new album, Grateful. So okay. all those beats we're hearing with Beyonce and Jay-Z, apparently it was this little infant. Wow. Which is <laughs> wow. So- Nuts to me. He has a chain that probably could have paid for my college tuition. It's ditto. <laughs> and he's not even a year old yet. So I'm like loving every second of him. I'm loving how in love DJ Khaled is. Right. Um, if you have ever looked at some of this kid's comments on this Instagram, it's hysterical. Like DJ Khaled, I'm pretty sure is who runs the account, but he'll comment from his own page on every single picture. <laughs> it's saying so, what? So All like, praise it, to the most high. <laughs> it's, it's worse. Like he, I don't think this man has ever felt love in his life like this before. Yeah. Like he literally said, and Nicki Minaj always comments back, which I think is so funny too. She's always like, I can't take the pressure. It's too cute. Um, there's one he was like on a hammock and DJ Khaled wrote to him. He was like, daddy, I was trying to have hashtag hammock talk. 
And ZJ Khaled writes back to him and he's like, Assad, I love you so much. You enjoy your time with your grandparents and I promise I'm going to fly you out tomorrow. I love you so much and I miss you so much that I cried today. So do you do you think, I mean, I, I, I adore it. You know what I mean? Obviously, as a father myself, I adore it. But what? how do you feel for Assad Khaled when he is finally of age? to kind of understand and comprehend everything that's going on. Is it is this a good thing for him or a bad thing? Okay, so he's going to grow up one of two ways. He's either going to be a super big daddy's boy and love and want to do everything with DJ Khaled. Like, he'll be one of those spoiled little boys right. that is, like, he's super Persian or Middle Eastern and he's going to grow up just wanting to have a ton of money and hang out with his dad. Right. Or... He'll be one of those boys that like rebels and is like, dude, you controlled my whole life from the time I came out the womb up until right now. And Uh this is too much for me. Yeah, this is. I think it could just go one of two ways for him, but he's super stinking cute. And so, I mean, I don't think he'll struggle at all, especially with the love surrounding him. Yeah. Yeah. DJ Khaled. Oh, well, he definitely won't struggle. (laughs) At least monetarily, he won't. Yeah. Yeah. He's already paid. He's got enough to take care of all of us. But yeah, so yeah, like I said, I I think it's dope. Uh, I think Khaled is a little too not. I'm not saying he's too into his son, but I I don't know. I just I think it's dope, but I do kind of feel for the kid. I hope that once he gets older, that he does actually accept this and not kind of stray away and kind of try to find his own identity that wasn't given to him by his father. You know, so that's true. That's yeah, really I definitely that, agree with that. Yeah, that's um, really the only thing I kind of worry about. But outside of that, I respect it. Being a father to his child, I can't knock that at all. Oh, I mean, every single picture this kid posts, DJ Khaled comments, I love you. You are my life. I love you so much, Asad. I miss you so much. Has, like, he asked, has he asked if the Drake vocals was in yet, too? Yes, I saw a video of that, and the wife gets so annoyed. His wife is like, get out of my face. Leave me alone. I'm pretty sure his wife is like, okay, this is not right. Like, yeah. I should never have had this child because you just can't leave him alone. Yeah, yeah. I know she's getting pretty irritated and fed. She probably wants her kid to be a kid, too. So, you know, so I mean, yeah, but shout out to Khaled on that. What else you got for us, Keith? Um, so my next thing guys, and this has been a really big, um, hit lately on Instagram. If you guys have been on there or pretty much any social media, Twitter, especially these unicorn frappuccinos, I need, (laughs) I need to hear the thoughts on them. I personally haven't tasted them yet. Um, I've read a couple reviews and every single one I've read has said horrible things. I mean, I had a friend tell me that it tasted like, spicy sprinkles and spoiled milk yeah, because they're so <laughs> nasty but <laughs> the color has people raving uh-huh see i don't i don't know man i i well for me personally i don't even drink coffee like not at least to wake up to and kind of you know get my day started i know there's some heavy coffee drinkers out there so i haven't even really thought to try it i have been seeing it trending on all the social medias but I haven't thought to try, but are you going to try it is the real question. All right, so here's been my issue with trying it. I've gone to Starbucks a couple times. I do like coffee. Um, I mean, I stick to pretty basic coffees of just like, you know, black coffee, a little bit of soy milk, and like some a sweetener in there or something like that. But aside from that, I'm pretty uh, – the sugar content in it is what really freaks me out. Um, I saw something. There's like 560 grams of sugar. Automatic type one. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you're immediately needing to give yourself insulin if you're a diabetic. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, you may or may not have a heart attack. Not sure. <laughs> um, I feel like it's probably a big hit for little kids, obviously. All that sugar, they're probably like going nuts over it. Yeah. But 
every time I've gone to Starbucks, I just can't bring myself to try because if it's nasty, I'm going to be pissed. I'm going to be so mad yeah. that I spent probably $6 on a tall for it to taste disgusting. Yeah, that's why I'm glad. Like I said, I'm glad I'm not a coffee drinker. I don't need much to speed me up. I think I'm fast enough already. But well, anyway. like instant speed. They probably put crack cocaine in this with yeah. all the sugar that's in it. And the way that they made it pink, I mean, this, it cannot be normal or made for like a normal body type. Yeah, no, that's wild. But once you try, actually, when you do try, we're going to have you talk about it right here on the show and let, and let us know. Because you got to try it now. Now that you talked about it and... And we've made this a topic on here. You got to try it because we got to no. know what it's. And I'll try it, too. I, I'm I not even a coffee agree. drinker, but I'll try it, too. So we'll have something to talk about as far as this stuff goes. And I think we for sure need to talk about it um, and see and honestly give our opinions because I have every single thing I've read has said that they're disgusting. Yeah. And I'm looking at it thinking it's going to taste like. I mean, it's like pink and blue. I would think like it'd be like, yeah, I you don't, know, I don't maybe tr- like a strawberry cream type of thing. No, people are saying bad things. I don't trust. I don't trust pink coffee or blue coffee. Anything. You know, that's a good point. That's a really good point. Because <laughs> what did you put in there to make it blue? To make too? it blue, exactly. I food coloring or something. I don't know, but yeah, me personally. I can't do it. If it isn't brown or black, and it, well, I don't even like black coffee. I don't, I like the sweet stuff because, like I said, I only drink – I drink Frappuccinos and things like that if it's a hot day or whatever. But, I, I don't, like I said, I'm fast enough. I don't need the speed. And I'm going to find out. What I did find really interesting, um, I read a review from a girl who um, – she was talking about how she she's a blogger, and so she went to go try it just to, you know, kind of stay up to trends and things of like that. Right. And as she was walking out, there was probably a 10-year-old girl who had her cell phone and was in the Starbucks walking out at the same time. And she looks at the girl in awe, and she's like, oh, my gosh, can I take a picture of your drink? And the blogger's like, yeah, of course. Do you want to taste it? And she's like, ew, no, I don't know you. And so she's <laughs> like, oh, okay, little girl. Like, I was just trying to be nice. So – the little girl takes a photo of the picture and then proceeds on with her phone. And the blogger looks at the girl and she's like, so are, are you not going to get one for yourself? And she's like, no, I'm fine. And so the blogger goes on to talk about how what Starbucks did wrong with this unicorn frappuccino um, is that they just made it so much easier for people on social media and in pop culture to tweet and Instagram and Snapchat about things, making it seem like they're up and they're really hip to trends and up to date on things and showing their friends like, look, I'm so cool. I'm in the know. I tried the new Starbucks Frappuccino, but really they're not experiencing anything. They're just taking photos and they're calling it good and making it seem it's like sort of like a facade, which right. is, I mean, if you look at a lot of Instagram pages, it's really kind of what it is. I mean, you think about it, we only see the good of people's lives on Ab- Instagram for the most part. Absolutely. And so I thought it was really interesting that take on it, um, just to think about how not only is that, I mean, it's, it's a disgusting drink. I don't know how they're making sales off that, but what they did do well was they got their name out there. So as far as PR goes, way to go Starbucks. I'm yeah, on they, they did that. That's, that's social media has changed the world, man. Everything is good on social media these days. And, and then the thing is, I'm not even going to say everything is good, but if it isn't good, then it's really bad. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, I haven't Super. caught <laughs> I haven't caught anything in between. It's either really good and yeah, you get some attention for things being really good or it's really bad and you get attention for things being really bad. But anything exactly. in between, it kind of doesn't matter. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Because, I mean, think about it. You go somewhere and you're like, oh, this meal's postable or this outfit's grammable or I need people to see this one or, you know, something traumatic has happened and you feel like you need support and you need love. And so it's like you said, those really horrible things happen um, and there's no in between. So, I mean, really, what can we believe on here? I just don't know. Yeah, yeah. I I just know (laughs) one thing that I do believe is that not to trust pink coffee or not to trust whatever other coffee. But Heck since we but no, since, but since we're talking it. about it. If it's not brown like it's supposed to, it's kind of like with M&M's. Like, have right. you ever seen that movie and they talk about how she, it's with J-Lo, and she says she only eats the brown M&M's yeah. because there's less artificial flavoring. I totally agree. Yeah, it's real. It's real. <laughs> it's real. So what else um, is going on in your world, Key? We got we to gotta know. We got to know because we out here in Portland and you out there in La La Land, but... You got to keep us in the loop, man. You can't keep us, you know, astray. So what's going on? Uh, So my next big thing, uh, I drove through Calabasas today and I saw the Hidden Hills sign. I thought to myself, I wonder if daddy is there, meaning Drake. Okay, okay. It's the love. I honestly think that he may or may not be my soulmate. Hey, he and just was out. You missed him. I caught him while he was out here. You just missed oh him out here God. in Portland. No, can I tell you that I saw people's Snapchats and I had to stop watching at one point because I was so jealous. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I need to get off because I'm mad right now. Oh, it was lit. It was. I was there. I was there. I was in the building. It was lit. It made everybody forget about the Blazers. I heard that. That was no good. But I mean, really, who cares if it's Drake? I think he could make me forget about my bank account. He probably (laughs) forget about the lot. Yeah, I'm sure he. It sounds like he got you wrapped. Oh, I've loved this man since his very first mixtape. Let me tell you. (laughs) And he's only getting better. Um, And speaking of getting better, he did you just see that he's actually set to host the NBA awards? Yeah, that's crazy. It's dope though, doing it for the culture, huh? NBA. He tries, you know, he hosted the ESPYs and had some memorable moments. People were a fan of him. Um, he's got a definitely dope sense of humor, which I love. Yes, he does. I'll give him that. Um, but what I like about Drake is the way that he is. I mean, he's a musician for sure, but the way that he gets people talking about what he's doing as far as athletes go, like all the pictures of him, like sweating the Kentucky players and when they make memes that make him look like a groupie I just I die for because I think about it I'm like oh my god he kind of is like a jersey chaser (laughs) like if Drake was a girl he would not be well liked people would be annoyed by him yeah that's crazy man yeah Drake somehow made his way up into this world of athletics and is now, I mean, you know, what credibility does he have to host the NBA <laughs> awards? Cause he posts videos of him playing basketball and he looks like he's never dribbled a day in his life. Yeah, no, I'm sure he hasn't, but Hey, like I said, it just shows the power of the culture. It shows the power of the intersectionality of the culture and it shows why music sports and all that good stuff intersects and, yeah, we see most people that watch NBA games are fans of the NBA. Probably somewhere along the line, listen to Drake and have become mm-hmm. fans of Drake. So, I mean, I'm one for sure. Oh, absolutely. I'm tuning in. There's yeah. no way I wouldn't tune in. <laughs> but it also shows that he is just a great entertainer. Absolutely. And he's come so far from Degrassi. And I just think we should all snap it up for my future baby daddy because oh, he man. is just – he's really making it on top right now, and I love that. Yeah, well, shout out to you and shout out to your – 
future baby daddy if that's if that's what's going on in the world today at least in your world that's what's going you know on what? It, you know what? My, it may not be in his world yet but that's okay he's just not ready for me that's all that that means hey hey all that matters right now on this podcast is the world according <laughs> to keith so that's... exactly thank you so you know i'll let him know eventually he'll find out and when he does realize that i'm the one for him i'll bring him on the show and i'll just let everyone know look we're together it's good okay be happy for us oh, send yeah. your well wishes it's great we'll be waiting i'll be right here for sure you know drake is always welcome to come on here we probably his favorite podcast already honestly i think he listens to us at least every week oh yeah for sure why not we we got yeah. it going on we got it going on but anywho Thanks for coming on, Keeve. You know we're going to keep this thing pressing forward. This is going to be a new segment for all of y'all. So, like I said, this show is about the intersectionality of sports, politics, and culture. So if you definitely want to hear about the culture, that is what we're doing this segment for. So y'all stay tuned. And, yes. uh, yeah, we'll, yep. give, we'll give you a holler next week, Keeve. Absolutely. If you guys ever want to hear anything about the world according to Keeve, make sure you find me on Instagram and Twitter, K underscore Hilly, and I will be sure to let you know what's going on, the world according to Keeve. Hello. All right. All right. We'll holler next week. Bye, Bounty. All right. On that note, I'd like to thank you all for coming on and listening to today's podcast episode. And you know I couldn't leave you without this one good message to stay woke and go win.